listening to the Section Five podcast. Welcome back to the Section Five podcast, where the Celtics have just defeated the Toronto Raptors in Game One of the semifinals, one twelve to ninety four. In a game where the Celtics led from start to finish and really it only got as close as about 12 or 13 points um, midway through the third quarter. So we're going to break down the game. We have the whole crew here, myself, Adam, Trey, and Mark, and look ahead to game two of the series. Uh, And I'll start by saying that it just seems that the Celtics right now are just a bad matchup for the Raptors. Um, they've gone three and one against the Raptors this season, including that one win in the bubble. And speaking of the bubble, the Raptors are 11 and two in Disney. And those two losses were both to the Celtics and the Raptors have lost four games this, this season by 15 plus points. And three of those were to the Celtics as well. So where do we go from here? Well, Toronto Raptors have the coach of the year and Nick nurse, and he's going to have to make some adjustments based on what we saw in game one. So, Adam, starting with you, uh, we sort of went through our preview of the series just the other night, and I'm wondering, based off of what you saw today, have your thoughts changed at all relative to what you anticipated seeing going into the series? Um, no. I mean, I had I had the Celtics winning in, in six, and I was pretty confident going into the series. As long as, you know, as, long as we play Boston Celtic basketball, which is you know, moving the ball within the offense, getting good shots, getting playing hard defense, um, everyone just playing to their role, not trying to do too much. I feel really confident that no team in the NBA can beat us in the series. And today just reinforced my opinion. We, like you said, we led from start to finish. And I'm, I'm in for game two. I'm ready for game two to get here. Like, I wish it was tomorrow night. Yeah, I know. And it's it's a good thing, though, that I guess they're every other day, no matter what. We don't have those two or three days built in for travel, yeah. which, as I mentioned before, I think is advantage Celtics. Uh, but, Trey, what stood out to you the most in this game in terms of how dominant the Celtics were and the Raptors' inability to pretty much counter anything that the Celtics were trying to do? So, pretty much, the Raptors – seemed to be scrambling a lot on defense. The Celtics looked like they were moving the ball pretty well, getting to where they wanted to get. And at first, Jason Tatum didn't seem to get off to a good start. He ended the game with, like, having 20 points. Uh, but, you know, if you're, the, if you're a Raptors fan, you're thinking, all right, Jason Tatum hasn't gotten off to a good start. This might be a good game for us. But Marcus Smart comes out and has a good game. And so it just shows that the Celtics can score in a lot of ways. Daniel Tice had a really good game. He had, I think, what, 14 rebounds? 15 rebounds. 15 rebounds. Yeah, so I saw what I expected from the Celtics. Good ball movement, good play in transition. Uh, Jalen hit his threes. Marcus Smart. Um he came to play, hit his shots. Um, and then Brad Wanamaker, he had a, a three off the bench. We got to see 
Robert Williams off the bench. He was a lob threat all night. Just we got to see a few players step up for us. Yeah, and you know, going into this series, I think that most people felt like the Raptors were the more well-balanced team in terms of their top seven or eight guys that they would they would go with and how deep that they would go into their bench. And that proved to not be true, at least in game one. And Mark, I'm wondering, based off of what you saw in game one, is this series going to go longer than you anticipated, shorter than you anticipated, or do you expect the, the Raptors to come back in game two and sort of counter what the Celtics did in game one? I expect it to be a long series. Uh, coming into it, I was expecting the Celtics to win, but you know, six or seven games. Um, the Celtics had 22 turnovers today, and the Raptors shot terribly from the field. Um, so if the Celtics don't cut down the turnovers, I can't expect the Raptors to shoot as poorly as they did today. They missed a lot of wide-open shots. Uh, Van Vliet was terrible today. So um, I expect the Raptors to bounce back and, uh, and get a couple of games uh, and, and make it you know, at least a six-game series. I was surprised at the way that the Celtics won a little bit because, uh, Trey, I think it was you who said a couple of pods ago when we were wrapping up the first round and then talking a little bit about Toronto that the Celtics need to get about 70 points out of their top three guys, Kemba, Jalen, and Jason. They got 58 from them today, and if you told me they're only going to get 58 points out of those three guys, I'd say they're going to lose that game. And they didn't because Smart added 21, and Tice had 13, Time Lord had 10, Wanamaker had seven. They were getting contributions all over the place from guys that have contributed, but not necessarily all at the same time. Like we've seen Smart go cold, or we've seen Williams have issues, we've seen Wanamaker have his issues, and everybody showed up. Ojoy played uh, a little bit. He didn't score much. He only had he was actually one for five, but you know he uh, he hit a big three. So um, they got contributions from everybody who came into the game uh, on the offensive end, save for Grant Williams, who played eight minutes and didn't score. So they, they did it in a little bit of a different way and uh, in a way that I think they're going to need to do it to beat Toronto because Toronto's bench is stronger than the Celtics despite what happened today. Uh, I think we all know that. So to get by while having that many turnovers and while having Tatum get off to a slow start and while having that scoring drought in the second quarter, which I'm sure we'll probably touch on later, uh, and to still win that game running away was, uh, was a great sign. Because the Celtics, although they played well, they didn't play their best. And the points weren't distributed the way that you would expect them to be when they played their best. But still, I expect Toronto to bounce back, too. Piggybacking on what you said about the turnovers, I actually think the 22 turnovers that the Celtics had, obviously that's not great. But it's a bad sign for the Raptors, who are not the greatest half-court offense. I believe they were 16th in the NBA in half-court offense. And they turned the Celtics over 22 times and weren't able to capitalize off of that because the Celtics have the best transition defense in the NBA. And if you can turn them over 22 times and never have a lead in the game, that has to concern you somewhat if you're Nick Nurse. And you're going to have to generate points somehow. I don't know if the Celtics can turn the ball over 22 times again. I'm sure that's going to be a point of emphasis in their next practice. But, you know, just like you would say, hey, if, if, if I look and saw that those, those big three only scored 58 points, you're not feeling too confident. If you're the Raptors and you're turning the Celtics over 22 times, I think you, you think you're going to at least be in that game at the end of the game. Right. And 
the Celtics went up 11 to three and really never looked back. And then another point, I too going into this series assumed that the equalizer was going to be the Raptors bench, but the Raptors only went seven deep in this series. I'm sorry, not in this series, but in game one, they only went seven deep bringing Norman Powell off the bench and Serge Ibaka. Norman Powell had 26 minutes. Serge Ibaka had 26 minutes. And after that, it was Terrence Davis with 12 minutes. Um, on the other end of the, of the floor, the Celtics, Wanamaker led the bench with 28 minutes. Ojale had 22. And Robert Williams had 18. And I would still say, and we, and we did rank our, rank our top 10 players in the series, and we, we only went with the starters. So Serge Ibaka was not on that list. But... I would still give the edge to the Raptors bench, but I don't think it's as much of an advantage as I thought going into this series, particularly when they're only going seven deep and Robert Williams in limited minutes is a difference maker. He He's probably right now the biggest X factor in the series because he changes the game in so many ways. He's an intimidating presence in the post. He's jumping up and swatting everything, which sometimes works against him because he's, you know, susceptible to the pump fake. But some of those things that I thought going into the series, I'm rethinking those after one game. And really it's not one game because I laid out in the beginning of the pod, the Celtics just kind of have the Raptors number this, this season. And another part of that is that, you know, their backcourt is undersized. So, Kemba Walker can excel. He's usually going up against bigger um, bigger guards. He's playing against Van Fleet and Lowry. You have Marcus Smart, who has a size advantage there. You know, I, I had the Celtics in seven, and I'm starting to rethink that. Now, I'm going to be cautious because Adam pointed out we beat the Bucks last year 112-90 to 90 in game one. We beat the Raptors this year, 112 to 94. And both of those came after a sweep in the first round. So I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. You know, I think the Celtics need to just stay the course, but I don't know. The, the Raptors look very much overmatched for the entirety of the game. Um, another fun fact for you guys, this is the seventh straight game one victory for the Celtics. So in seven straight series, they've won the first game. Dating back to, ooh, that must be going back to, 2018 I'm guessing yeah yeah because in 2017 that's when we got stomped by the uh by the Cavs in the um in the Eastern Conference Finals uh so Adam I want to go back to you and I know you knew this was coming because when we did our rankings of 1 to 10 you were outnumbered with Trey and I both unanimously calling Kemba Walker the second best player in the series and we had Trey and I, Mark, and you can chime in on this too, Mark, because you weren't on the pod last time. And we had Jalen Brown as the top, uh, as the third best player in the series. And Adam, you were adamant that Fred Van Fleet was the second best player in the series. And I'm wondering if you're backing off that a little bit based off of what you saw today. Kimball Walker had 18 points and 10 assists. Um, and he had a really good overall game. Fred Van Fleet. In 38 minutes, had 11 points. He went three for 16 from the field, two for 11 from three. He was a minus 28 in the plus minus category with four rebounds, eight assists, but he did have a career high six steals. So we kind of felt that 
Toronto edge with the bench, the Celtics edge with the top top end talent. Where do you are you reevaluating reevaluating your position on on Fred Van Fleet after what you saw in Game One? So I'm not gonna I'm not one of those that changes his whole opinion after Game One after one game of a series. I still think Van Fleet's a hell of a player as he's shown on the defensive end today with those six steals. Um, obviously, you know, I, I want the Seas to win. I don't want Van Fleet to have a good series. And I'm, I was glad to see him go three for 16 tonight. I mean, today. But I still think he's a hell of a player. I don't see him going three for 16 again. Um, two for 11 from three as well. He's usually at the 40% clip for the season. That's, I think that's a really just aberration today. But I, I still – I'm fearful of Fred Van Fleet. I think he's the best player on that Raptors team. And if they're going to do anything game two, he's going to have to do more than three for, three for 16. So, no, I still think he's the second-best player in the series. Mark, where do you fit Van Fleet in this, in this ranking of the top ten players in this series? Well, he's definitely not the second best player in the series. Um, he's not the second best player on the Raptors either. Like I got him behind Siakam and Lowry. Van Fleet's excellent, but those two guys are just better players. I would say off the top of my head, because I, I didn't really prep a list in order, but I got him behind the Celtics top three guys and behind those two on the Raptors. So six, maybe. Yeah, we had uh, the Celtics three, Jason, Kemba, Jalen. Then we went with Siakam at four. Van Fleet at five and Kyle Lowry at six. Mm-hmm. Um, and you seem to be flip-flopping that that order a little bit. Yeah, I think I have – it's a tough call for me too between Siakam and Jalen. Um, I kind of go back and forth. Like I was leaning Siakam, then I'll be then I'll see Jalen and I'll lean Jalen, then I'll kind of go back and forth because, um, you know, Siakam's been at that higher like all-star-ish level for about two years now. Jalen's been there for a year, maybe a little less as he kind of really came into his own the second half of the year. So I think it's a little more longevity as a factor in me, maybe leaning Siakam, but I think those two guys are very, very close. Yeah. And not to harp on last year, but you know, Jalen was coming off of the bench and you know, all of the, the dysfunction, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Jalen, maybe had to sacrifice more than anybody on the team last year. And he also handled it, handled it as well as anybody. So it's good to see him excel. I think the difference between Jalen and Siakam is that Jalen can get his own shot. That's going to be a theme throughout the series. And I'll, I'll pivot to you, Trey, because I don't see, you know, we did, we did mention that Toronto is the 16th best team in the NBA in the half court offense. So at least during the regular season, and I don't know – I'm not expecting Van Fleet to shoot 2 for 11 or those guys to shoot as bad as they did today. But if the Celtics are getting back on defense and playing their excellent transition defense, who's going to generate the offense for the Raptors in the half court? Marcus Saul started the game. And I'm wondering, Trey, if you, if you were Nick Nurse, what adjustments would you make going into game two? So going into game two, I would consider bringing Marcus Saul off the bench. And you can either start Pascal Siakam at center and Ananobi at the four 
you can bring Norman Powell into the starting lineup uh, with the backcourt of Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. And then you can stagger all the guards to make sure they're playing specific matchups with, with bigs. Now you can go that route or you can bring Serge Ibaka into the starting lineup and have Siakam as the four or Ananobi as a three. Um, but I think Pascal Siakam plays a little more free-flowing in the offense when he works as the distributor, kind of like Bam Adebayo. You know, he can get you like five assists, 25 points, maybe six, seven, eight rebounds. But I think he would work best if he was starting at center because he'd be the screen setter. I saw a lot of him standing over in the corner like a wing player, just standing there waiting for the, you know, for the ball to find him. And it just wasn't finding him. Um, he did get in foul trouble early. So if I'm Nick Nurse, I'm looking to maybe insert Norman Powell into the starting lineup to kind of get things going and maybe go smaller. But I definitely want to bring Mark Gasol off the bench. I didn't really like the way he matched up with Tice. He got exploited in the pick and roll a few times. I know Kemba Walker got him good one time in the high pick and roll. He ended up not switching back. He just kind of stayed stayed back in the paint, and then Kemba Walker ended up hitting a three. So if I'm Nick Nurse, things like that can't happen. I want as best defense as possible, so I'd go with Siakam as a starting center or Ibaka. And, Mark, I know you said that you still think this is going to be a long series. Um, do you think that the Raptors need to make some of those adjustments that Trey mentioned, or would you go back into game – or is it too soon? Do you think it's too soon to switch your starting lineup and switch your rotations, and do you just hope that, you know, some of those shots that you missed in game one fall in game two? I think it's too soon to make a dramatic change like starting Powell um, because he gives them a little bit of a a punch off the bench. Uh, But I would switch Gasol for Ibaka in the starting lineup. And Ibaka, I mean, he only shot 40%, but like he, he was three for seven from three. Like he was hitting those and um, he gave the Celtics a little bit of problems when he was out there. uh, I thought he played pretty well today, despite only shooting 40% from the field. So uh, he was definitely better than Gasol. Like Gasol got blown by a couple of times. Trey mentioned that uh, play on the high pick and roll, which I think uh, G you posted on the section five uh, Twitter uh, where uh, Campbell was just wide open uh, for that, uh, that three. So, Gasol, I, I think, has his shortcomings at this point in his career, and I think the Celtics are in a position to exploit it. So the best move would probably be to um, get Ibaka in there a little more and have Gasol in there a little less and maybe pick your spots uh, with Gasol um, and uh, go from there. I think that the for the Raptors, really, the big thing is they need their shots to fall. Uh, like I said a little earlier, um, they shot 25% from three today. That's not going to happen again. Um, this team is a much better three-point shooter than that. Uh, when we talked about them a couple pods ago, I rattled off all the three-point percentages, and their top like eight guys were all above league average from three, which is right around 35%. They were all you know, 38 to 40, uh, roughly. So uh, I think a couple of guys were at like 36, but 
they are a much better three-point shooting team than this, and they missed some open ones. Like Van Fleet had one wide open that he bricked uh, in the second quarter, I think. Um, so I just expect the shots that they normally hit to start going in. And uh, if those do start going in, like this game's a heck of a lot closer. Yeah, and then there was one where he just airballed it, like, you know, who opened the door? He right. was open there. So, Adam, I'm going to go to you, and I'm not going to ask you what – you would do i want to know do you think that nick nurse is going to make changes to his starting lineup based off of what you saw in game two i i don't think he will i think he's going to stay the course i mean they've been they've had pretty much if they've been healthy they've had the same starting lineup all season um i don't see them i don't see them changing the course what i what i would see happening maybe is if the same if the raptors have the same start that they did today in game one and he might give Gasol the hook a little earlier and get him out of there because he was – today he was a liability defensively. He was just too slow for everyone out there. So if if the same is happening, yeah, I could see him making that sort of adjustment. But as far as starting lineup, I could – I think Nick Nurse is just going to keep him – keep the same five out there. I think he would be wise to start Serge Ibaka in this game. Um just like Brad Stevens had Enos Kanter as a healthy DNP coach's decision, things have to change matchup to matchup. And with the Raptors having just lost in the bubble to the Celtics by 20-something points, having lost three times this season by 15-plus points to the Celtics, it's somewhat of a trend. All of their three well, – the vast majority of their three-point shots were contested. The Celtics were playing without fouling, which was one of our keys. And one of the other X factors, which maybe they can bank on this not happening, was Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart produced offensively and defensively in this game. He scored 21 points. He hit the first three of the game, and that was a good sign for Marcus Smart. He would go on to shoot five for nine from three, four for four from the line, and lead the game with a plus-minus of 27, plus 27. He also chipped in six rebounds and four assists. So when you have that type of production coming from Marcus Smart and the game-changing ability of Robert Williams, I don't think you can afford to get off to another slow start in game two when the Celtics are playing with a lot of confidence against your team, even without Gordon Hayward. Nick Nurse was the coach of the year, and he's going to have to earn that title and you know prove that it wasn't a little bit premature in this series. Sergi Baca shot three for seven from three. From three, yep. Sergi Baca, three for seven from three, 15 points, nine rebounds. He's a, he's a better pick-and-pop threat than than Marcus Gasol. He is, and particularly, I mean, it's not necessarily that Daniel Tice was the one beating them in that matchup, but the Raptors are much more explosive and tougher to defend with Sergi Baca out there. And I think that was plain to see. And it's a seven-game series. You go down 2-0, you're in a hole. So I don't think it's too soon to make adjustments. Now, whether it's Norman Powell or Serge Ibaka, which is sort of what Mark, the point that Mark raised, we'll see. And, Sergi, and Norman Powell didn't have the greatest game either. I mean, overall, the whole, the whole Raptors organization, they stunk today. From the coach to the starters to the bench to Drake, 
<laughs> the front office. I mean, Drake stinks every day. Reggie <laughs> Baco is already starting to piss me off just a little bit. I'm glad you mentioned that. So, so we had our we we did a little roundtable talking about who was the player that we were going to despise by the end of game one. Uh, I believe my vote was for Kyle Lowry, who was already despised before game one. Adam had his boy. He was banking on his boy Fred Van Fleet to do some damage against the Celtics, which was going to make him dislike him by the end of game one. Not so, not so much his antics, but just his, you know, him just killing us from three and and making plays all around the court. And Trey, I think your, your prediction maybe proved to be true where you said Serge Ibaka, who was called for a flagrant one, I believe against Daniel Tice, Mark, I'm wondering from you, is there a player after game one that you just despise or is it the same guy who I think you're going to say who you despise going into game one? Yeah, I mean, coming in, it was Kyle Lowry. He flops all over the place and that's easy to hate. And it didn't change today just because the game was a blowout for most of the game. Um, It's hard to say, oh man, I hate that guy in a playoff atmosphere when you're down by 20. So if that's going to change, it'll have to come in a close game. I could see you know, hating like Norman Powell if he gets hot, uh, for example. Uh, if he just comes and hits a couple of, of big shots and you know, has the Raptors pull away or keeps him in the game, like that's going to be a guy you're going to be like, oh, man, that guy's kind of annoying. But, yeah, right now it's it's got to be Lowry. Yeah, and he not only does he flop, and, and listen, the first thing that opposing – fan bases are generally going to point to is they're going to say Marcus Smart. Well, you guys have Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart himself made the distinction that he flops on defense. He doesn't flop on offense. So he's not running into guys, flailing his arms all over the place, throwing the ball in the air just to get to the free throw line. And that kind of proved true to form today where Kyle Lowry was just, he was unbearable. And I don't know if there's a whinier duo a whinier player coach duel than Nick Nurse and Kyle Lowry. They just complain and whine the entire game. They're working the referees. Um, even when some of those calls were were blatantly fouls or the refs actually did to make the correct calls. And I I so wish that I could get Tommy Heinsohn to to do the play by play. Sorry, do the analyst. <laughs> be the be the analyst for this series because Tommy Heinsohn, I'm sure, would agree with us and those players that he despised. Oh yeah. Uh, but but Adam, I guess Fred Van Fleet didn't really piss us off today because no, he, I love Van Fleet. He did, he did, yeah, we we Van Fleet keep keep on going, man. You a fan? You do you, buddy. Today, <laughs> yeah, his his shot definitely wasn't falling today, and you know, like it's hard to hate a guy when he goes three for sixteen. Yep. So keep on firing Van Fleet, but I I didn't I know he's not gonna. No, that was fluky more does. than anything else. He, he was just off. Or maybe next time he'll go seven for sixteen. Yeah, I mean. Who knows what? I, I just don't see him struggling like that again. But to me, today, my most hated Raptor was Kyle Lowry. Because when the game was still close, Kyle Lowry was, you know, early first quarter. I seen him trying to get to the hoop and start flailing those arms out. But the Celtics did a great job of backing up, kept their hands in the air, and just not following this guy. And every time, it just seemed like the, the more he started to – the more – as the game went on, the more he was complaining, the more futile his looks to the refs look because mm. he knew that they wasn't calling shit today mm. unless it was really a foul. So it was Kyle Lowry today, but that's subject to change at game two. 
Well, I looked at uh, on ESPN.com their expert predictions, and I think 13 of the 18 experts had the Raptors winning the series, which bodes well for the Celtics because in sports, there's just a way of conventional wisdom being wrong. Being wrong. Yeah, I was going to say it more eloquently but <laughs> well, yeah yeah but you know you go in there and you're predicting the series and they, things just don't turn off the way you expect them to because that's the beauty of sports you have to play the game so south is scored 1-0 looking to go ahead 2-0 game two is on tuesday at 5 30 p.m the schedule's already come out uh and before we wrap this up i did want to talk about robert williams and how impressed you guys were with Robert Williams today and how that bulls for the rest of the series, if he can keep that up. Adam. Um, I was, I was very encouraged for what I seen from Robert Williams today. I believe that during the last part, I mentioned that um, cancer was going to take a back seat for, for Rob Williams, just because of the Rob is a way better matchup for the Raptors bigs than, than cancer is. And, you know, I, I saw shades of old, the old college, Texas A&M, Bob Williams, where you know, I, I think he iced a couple of games in the tournament with, with that loud windmill slam, and mm. it, was, it was great to see him take mm-hmm. that. I think um, Smart stole the ball from Van Fleet up the court and uh, gave it to Wanamaker, and Wanamaker threw it to, to Williams for the loud, for the loud yep. windmill. Yep. Um, how, how's that, LeBron? Did I recall the play right? Um, <laughs> that was exactly right. <laughs> but I uh, – I, I hope to see more Williams. If he keeps doing that, if he keeps staying on his, you know, staying on his feet, not going for every up fake, then we have a weapon there, and I, I want to use that weapon against the Raptors. Trey, how impressive was Robert Williams in your view? So before the bubble play started, I called him Celtics potential X factor. Um, so it's kind of what I was expecting of him to be a lob threat. Um, it's kind of matchup based. Wasn't a great matchup last series versus the Sixers and Joel Embiid. Um, you could throw him in against Horford. But this series is a little bit better. You've got Siakam. When Siakam's on the floor, he's going to play 40 minutes. Uh, you've got Ibaka. He can he can play along, uh, against him. Yeah, it's just a better series for Rob Williams. He's going to go out there, run the floor. He's going to get easy transition buckets. He's going he's gonna to make the def- – the the offense for the Raptors really think about what they're doing before they do it. So it's going to be a lot of second guessing, you know, their offense. Mark, what are your thoughts on Robert Williams? Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything that they both just said. He was great today. Um, he was five for five from the field. Uh, and there were all those you know, easy buckets for him uh, you know, right around the rim, uh, either cleaning up or uh, getting the lob. So, if he can keep getting those opportunities and uh, keep making those plays, he's going to be a big time difference maker uh, in the series. And uh, another one that I want to talk about related to Robert Williams is uh, I got to talk about Doris Burke a little bit because she told the story of time Lord and she didn't go into it too confident. She was like, I might, I might get details of this wrong and absolutely nailed it and gave the entire story of how he became known as time Lord. And that was fantastic. The legend, the urban legend of time Lord. <laughs> right. Grew overnight. Oh yeah. 
now now he's a national legend. The time. Yes, Lord. he is. I'm sure they're gonna have Time Lord written on the whiteboard in the in the Raptors locker room going into next because <laughs> he he definitely who's all over the place. Yeah, in uh, one of his best games since being in the bubble, just 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 made big impact plays, offensively, defensively, the windmill, the blocks. You know, even one even one block that got called a foul because they said you know he got the body, but. But, and he got him on the head a little bit. It was a foul, but it yeah, was almost he, an incredible play. It, it was, it was, but it, it was still a huge play because, you know, it's make you think twice when you go into the lane, yep. you know, you think you got a clear layup and here comes Robert Williams, the eraser out of nowhere, sort of swatting shit into the first or second row. Um, and the bubble factor I think is going to be extremely relevant going into game two because last year, you know, we started off on the road in Milwaukee. We won the first game. Then you lose the second game in Milwaukee. You travel back to Boston. And obviously, being in the bubble, there's no travel. And so, this being a 1 p.m. early start, I expected the Celtics to be pretty sluggish coming in. But seeing as though they probably had a 5 or 10-minute ride to the, to the arena, um, they're pretty much going through their same routine that they've been going through the last couple of weeks. Um, the Celtics didn't really have to ride their starters too hard today. And I thought that's where the bubble was going to most come in with, you know, if you're playing 40 minutes for Tatum, 40 minutes for Jalen and, and Kemba, you know, the bubble was going to lessen the impact of those major minutes because you're not traveling and your sleep patterns are the same, but those guys played in the low thirties today. I think Jason Tatum led the team in minutes with 37 minutes. Kemba Walker had 32, Marcus Smart 30, Jalen Brown 31. So those guys should be fresh and ready to go for game two. Um, and they all feel, I'm sure, that they can all play better, even though I'm sure the Raptors feel like they let a few shots get away and left some points on the board. Um, I'm certain the, the Celtics feel like they can play much better going into game two. And in typical coaches' fashion, that's what Brad Stevens said after the game. The offense could have been better. The defense could have been better. The only thing he was missing was the special teams. He could have been been Coach Belichick. Um, But overall, I mean, it was as solid of a performance from start start to finish that you could have hoped for against this Raptors team. And I'll say it again, it could be a long series, but they looked overmatched. The The Raptors did look overmatched from the athleticism, the size, the high-end talent and the ability to create their own shots. The Celtics look like they're in control of this series. I like what I saw from Ojale. He played 23. Okay. He only had three points, but I think you can trust him out there, kind of like the Raptors are trusting Ananobi to just be the guy that's out there, get open shots, and play defense. So, interesting to see going forward who continues to step up on the bench. We need a, we need a, we need that effort every night. At least one guy to step up. Does anyone else have any uh, other final thoughts leading into game two? Let's not turn the ball over 22 times and see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to 
uh, you see what the result would be when and Toronto hits a little more uh, of their shots and uh, hopefully the Celtics can turn down the turnovers and hopefully that'll balance out so that they'll still be able to have some breathing room uh, because they're protecting the ball even when Toronto does hit their shots and they don't so the Celtics don't have say as many missed opportunities on the offensive end and they're still able to create some uh, some space on the scoreboard and and you know the Raptors threw the kitchen sink at the Celtics in terms of defense they went 2-3 zone they went 2-2-1 two, two, zone they switched. They didn't switch. Man the man, you know, Nick Nurse tried to get creative to slow these guys down, and nothing seemed to work. And Jason Tatum only had 21 points, and he struggled out the gate, and the Celtics had a big lead. So both teams go back into the locker room thinking that there's some things that they need to clean up, and I expect it to be a much tighter game going into game two where the Celtics, you know, one of the weaknesses I said that they have is that they tend to lose focus. Sometimes when calls go against them or the other team's going on a run, they can lose their focus. They can stop moving the ball and they can start playing a little bit of hero ball, relying on that, that ability for them to, to create their own shots. Um, and let's see how the Celtics do and how they fare when they face some adversity in this series as they uh, inevitably will. Uh, so that wraps up our review of game one. Wish game two was tomorrow, like Adam said, but we're very much looking forward to game two. Um, be sure to follow us all on Twitter. You can find Section 5 Podcasts on all major platforms. And we just ask that you rate, subscribe, like, review, tell a friend. We think we have a really good podcast going here. And we hope you enjoyed it.